Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to this week's edition of the TO2 Cast brought to you by the Fanside Network. I'm Chris O'Kranitz, and this week I'm joined by Tip the Tower staff writer, David Morissuti. My usual co-hosts, Ryan Greco and TJ, both aren't available this week as uh, Ryan's overseas in Israel visiting his girlfriend, and Tay's unavailable, so it's just going to be myself and David today. Even with their absences, though, we still have a great show for you, as David and I are going to talk about everything Toronto Maple Leafs. But before we get into that, David, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing pretty well, especially after last night's game. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing pretty good. Just getting some last-minute Christmas shopping done. Uh, had to go fight the crowds at Yorkdale and everything. It was rather interesting. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine told me there was uh, lineups at the escalators at the Eden Center, so glad I'm not going anywhere near there today. Surprisingly, there was actually lineups for the hipster Santa at Yorkdale yesterday, so he was pretty interesting. I'd never seen a Santa like that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But what did you think about uh, last night's Leafs game? Big 7-4 victory in Colorado there to start the road trip off? I don't know what it is about the Leafs this year, but against the Western Conference, they're they're so good. Like I've I've never seen like last like last year the Leafs were terrible against the Western Conference, but um, you know Colorado. Leafs like many were saying that you know Colorado's doing so well. You know the last six games, Marlon has been really good. Yeah. It, it it was like one of those games where it, it was like a tease game. It was like a trap game where it's like oh the Leafs don't really stand much of a chance, <laughs> and then. They pull and they go. They score, you know, six goals on Varlamov. Bernie plays pretty well. Gets two wins in a row after he couldn't win a game to save his life. Yeah, and it was a good game. It put a good smile on my face. Well, how about that power play last night for them? I mean, the puck was cycling around. Uncle Leo was doing everything he could to make sure they some points up. Yeah, like that. I think that's been the biggest change you've seen from the Leafs this year is the fact that they're cycling the puck more. There's you know, they're not just throwing pucks on that blindly. They're getting good looks. Um, you know, the defensemen are getting good shots in from the point. You know, players are a lot of tippins too. You know, like, yeah, I noticed that as well. Especially Komarov. Komarov, you know, just knows where to be in front of the net. And, you know, uh, I think Jake Gardner said it last night at post game. Everyone in the room knows just get the puck to Komarov and he's going to finish it, which is pretty yeah. funny because I don't think you could ever say that about Komarov. 
the last couple of seasons. Well, he kind of reminds me of Thomas Holmstrom in front of the net back with the wings in the old days where he's just wreaking havoc in front of the goalie. Not so much with his movement and everything, mm-hmm. but his hand-eye coordination, him and JVR, the amount of pucks they've tipped in is insane. Yeah, and you know, it, it it's something you know that Babcock, Babcock likes those players who will do that. You know, Babcock doesn't want players to be too flashy. He likes those players that are simple and keeps things, you know, going to the front of that game, those goal you know, chances in front of the net, which is where Komarov has succeeded this year. Like not he doesn't have many goals where he's shooting it from the outside. I mean he had one last night, but pretty nice one. Yeah, it was it was a nice shot. So you don't see that often from him, but you know, it's nice to see him contribute, especially leading the team in goals, which I never would have expected. Never saw that coming. No. Who do you think Babcock's had a bigger effect on? Uh Jake Gardner's kind of I guess development or this new scene line that we see of uh, Komarov, Kadri, and Grabner? What do you think he's had a bigger, bigger effect on? You know what? Like, Gardner's shown in the past that he has the ability, you know, as a puck-moving defenseman, offensive defenseman. I think just for him, he needed a coach that had the confidence to put him on the ice, you know, put him in the situations where he could feel confident and he doesn't, you know, feel like he's going to, like a big, like if he makes a mistake, it's going to be like a glaring error and the coach is going to put him down like he has with Carlisle in the yeah. past. So I don't think it was much like Babcock's having an effect like on how he's playing. It's just that he's giving more confidence. I really do think it's the way he's made these forwards. You look at the group that he has, you look at a, to- a line of Komarov, Kadri, and Grabner. And how could you say that that could be a top line in the NHL? Babcock, Babcock has found a way to make that mix work. I mean, you look at the three players, they all do something different. Kadri's got the skill. Komarov's got the grid and grind. And Grabner's just got unreal speed. He just needs someone to give him the puck. And I think that's why he put him out on that top line because they all have different dynamics and they work well together, actually. Which, I mean, I don't know how long it's going to last. I mean, you, you're seeing, you know, Komarov's able to sustain some sort of offensive success. Kadri is it's, there too. He's doing pretty well, especially you know on the face-off dot defensively. Grabner, I, I don't know how long that's going to last on the top line, but you know they've plugged in many players there. But I think right now it's working. I think it's going to stay there for a bit. Well, hopefully, I mean he can get his shooting percentage up and actually start to see some pucks hit the back of the net for Grabner because that has not happened much this year. I mean he scored almost half his goals in one game the other night. Yeah, you know, but. I, the thing I kind of find interesting is that I think this new top line that we have has got a lot of stress relieved from it because of the play of Bozak, JVR, and Parento. Yeah, that line, it's interesting. I mean, you know, JVR and Bozak have played together. So I think moving, I think they want to try separating them for a bit. But I think, you know, putting them back together was a smart move. Uh, Parento, I mean, He's exceeded my expectations already. I mean, like, oh, the, same. like the guy didn't have like after what had happened in Montreal, I, I knew like Montreal didn't wasn't using him properly. You know, you had to put the guy on the power play. He's, Michelle Terry and hated him. Yeah, it, it was weird though because like Montreal couldn't score, especially in the playoffs. They had a hard time, and here you got P.A. Parenteau, who's actually been a pretty good producer over his career. I, I honestly, I did think it was it was a coach, and I think that's Babcock's just putting him in there, and he's letting the player do what he has to do to get get his game going, and I, that's what Parento's done. Um, I'm not expecting you know, a huge year from him, but like you want to see some production, which you've been, we've been seeing, especially on the power play. Well, Parento's been weird this year because when he plays on the road, he's not that great. He only has five points in 16 yeah. games, but you put him at home in the ACC. I mean, the guy's got 11 points in 16 games. 
five goals, six apples, and it's just a night and day difference. He doesn't shoot much, but when he does, it's been finding the back of the net home. Yeah, so, it, yeah, it's weird. Not really. I don't know how you can actually explain how players play different on the road and at home. Maybe it's just the way the crowd gets players into it. Well, maybe the comfort of the home ice too. You kind of get the bounces off the boards. You know, I guess the the arena, the setting. Yeah, that could be it. But it's been bizarre for him. I mean, I, I did like last night going back to last night's game. How Bozak gets the Hattie after Kessel scores two goals. It was it was kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, the big thing with Bozak, many wondered how he would play without Kessel. I mean, we saw at the beginning that Kat, that Bozak was having a hard time getting you know some uh, chemistry. There was that little time with him and Sean Mathias where they were getting a little bit of chemistry together, but I, I've i always said, Kadri, you know, we obviously know Kadri's not a top-line center in the NHL. He's yep. not that player. But you put him in the number two spot, which is where he is now, you see the production from him because he's not playing against the better, better competition or he's not playing against the top lines like he was before. So, like, you know, last night... Who's chasing him on the breakaway? Francois Beauchemin. The guy is not going to ch- catch him on a breakaway. Not so, like, stuff like that has really helped his game. Um, you know, it's probably making him a little bit more attractive as a trade option going forward. Um, I don't know if that's something. I'm, I'm sure the Leafs are going to consider it because if any team's interested in a forward like him, uh, he could. they could actually pay, get some assets for him, I think. I think they're just going to take some time to let him build his game up more, but... I, I like what I see from uh, Bozak this year. There's yeah, not... I, like, I like what I'm seeing from both Bozak and Kadri, but I, I do kind of worry with Kadri if the success he's having, I mean, it doesn't show up in the stat sheet as much as people like to think, but you watch mm-hmm. him, he's doing a lot of little things. If it can keep up, can he can he sustain what he's doing right now? Uh, it, it's tough because, you know, like, when he started, the, his, his struggles at the beginning of the season was that he was putting a lot of pucks on that, but the goals weren't coming. Yeah. Well, now he's not putting as many pucks on it, but he's actually getting points. You know, he's getting assists. You know, and he's he's doing better on the faceoff draw. So it depends on what you want him to get better at. Do you want him to get better at producing some points and get being good better defensively, or do you want him to score goals? I don't think the goals are going to come there as much for him because he's not going to get as many good shots on there, those clean looks. But you're seeing him contribute in other ways, which is good. So I think. He's gonna. I don't know if he's gonna be like that in the conversation, like the best players in the game. It's just not gonna happen. But I think there, there, you could see some marginal improvements from him moving forward. I'm just not expecting anything grand from him. I'm not expecting like a big breakout from him. I, it's just how, you haven't really seen that too much from him this season. I don't know if that's if it's just gonna come out of nowhere. I just don't see that from him. Yeah, Even... I, I have a tough time seeing it too. I mean, the thing that I find really interesting about him is his zone starts. This is a career high year for him where he's starting 59% of the time in the offensive zone. And it's kind of weird how the numbers aren't coming yet, especially because he's been a decent possession player and he's been starting the offensive zone. So you would think yeah. what they're trying to do is kickstart him the way that Alain Vigneault does so many times with the Rangers is get his best guys out there mm-hmm. and they, they produce points. But yeah. oddly enough, Kadri's not producing points, but he's not really hurting the Leafs either. No, and he's not. And the only way I could probably see his production getting up is maybe at a point where I don't know if they're going to do it, but if they bring up a William Nylander or someone from the Marlies who's got a little more skill to play with Kadri, that's where I could maybe see it happening. But he just doesn't have the players right now who who can match his skill level in terms of his creativity and all that. So... Well, here, 
let's say going forward then, he's an RFA this year, Kadri. Yeah. Let's say the Leafs bring in a guy like a Stamkos. Mm-hmm. Where does Kadri fit into the picture then? Um, it all depends on what he wants as a as a contract. I mean, he's getting four point one million right now. Is he a four point one million dollar player? You could argue that as a second line player, you know, maybe he'd be producing a little bit more. Um, that that's it depends on if they get rid of Bozak, then you could fit Kadri probably. But if Bozak's here next year, I don't know how you can get Stamkos, Kadri, Bozak with all the other salaries they have. They would have to move someone to move to make room for him because they really don't have much space no. for him. Well, what if they moved? Let's say oh, it's a stretch, but a loophole or a finuff. I mean, that would probably be the ideal situation to make room for all the guys that you just mentioned. Yeah, like that would. The people are saying, "Oh, yeah, let's sign Sam, let's sign Sam," because but obviously, managers got to realize that they have restrictions on you know players who don't have great contracts. You got the buyout of uh tim gleason on the cap you got phil kessel's retained salary you know you got to pay morgan riley at the end of the year like who knows what that contract's going to be like you know it's not going to be a little bridge contract because no. <laughs> that's not what what young players are getting play, paid now so that's that's there's a lot of factors to consider here um it could come down to whether or not if you get stamkos can you afford to keep Kadri? If it's, if a team's interested in him and willing to give any sort of asset for him, I would trade him, just because we've already seen from the last you know how many years he's been here that he can be the he, you can see where he can get to, but he hasn't gone there consistently enough. So I think it's just better off to maybe get what you can from him now because you don't know if his value is going to get higher or lower. It's just he's so. You think he's peaked? Honestly, I thought that that lockout season, like you thought, there it is. There's Kadri, and then he goes down. So I think that season, those last couple seasons, he kind of peaked because now the coaches are trying to change his way he's playing his game so much that yep. it's had too much of an effect on him. So I think, I think he's kind of been where he's at, and I think this is where his game is at because you saw it at the end of last season. He was playing the same way. He wasn't scoring, but he was doing better defensively. And you're seeing it again this year. So I think this is kind of the player he is now. And that's something Leafs, the management's going to have to decide whether they're going to pay for it or make turn it into an asset somehow. And I think they're going to try to turn it into an asset. The way I kind of look at Kadri is he's an average second-line center. He's not a first-line center. There's too many nights I've seen him get his ass handed to him in the face-off circle by mm-hmm. elite centers who just just crushed in his own zone when he plays elite guys. But I think he could actually be a very elite third-line center on a decent <laughs> team, a kind of guy that can agitate, chip in 50 points a year, and just do all the little things that would relieve some stress from your top six line, your top six forward, sorry. Yeah, well, so I, I don't know. Because then you go back and you look at the lockout short in season, like you were saying, and it's so tantalizing because you saw so many good things with him. And now you just see this, I don't want to say a shell of what he was, but just a player who just can't seem to break through and refine that 44-point season he had. Well, well, we talked about how he's not a first-line center. He could be a second-line center. In that lockout short and season, he was a third-line center. He was playing, you know, you had Bozak Castle, you had Grabowski, Kuhlman, then you had Kadri and whoever, like Lupul. Yeah, Lupul. Lupul was kind of that guy when he wasn't there the whole season. I mean, when you have Colton Orr on your line, that was when Colton <laughs> Orr was there, and then you had, like, you're playing against the, the third you're not playing against the best competition, which is why he was able to produce. So 
that's like why I think why that was like that. I don't think it was actually because he was, you know, putting out like all of a sudden this is an offensive break. I just think he was playing against easier competition, and that's why. I mean, you saw it uh, two years ago where he had twenty goals in seventy-eight games, which yeah. is actually pretty good. That's like that's second-line production, but he he was just terrible in the off like you know face-offs. He wasn't great defensively, and then when they tried to change to improve that, you saw the offensive numbers go down because he just can't. He's not that type of player. He or he either is a good offensive player, or you kind of make him more of a defensively responsible player, and that's what you're seeing now. Yeah, because that year you're talking about, he was 45 percent in the circle, and he had, uh, if I recall, about 50 50 plus giveaways, which was very uncharacteristic for a center like him. Hmm. Yeah, yes, he had fifty-seven that year. Fifty-seven so. that year, yeah. Which I mean, is, that's it's not good, but it's it's not terrible. It's just for seventeen minutes a night of what he was playing. Yeah, you can't do that. You just can't get the puck away that much. No, you can't. So I guess if Stamkos comes into the fold, then let's use the Leaf fantasy land here, the Leaf streamland <laughs> scenario. Yeah. Do you resign Kadri, or do you kind of just let him walk? He's an RFA, so I, they'll definitely probably sign him an offer sheet. Um, well, okay, well, they're going to give him his qualifying offer. Uh, it's, that's a given. Like, you, you're going to qualify him. It also depends on what they get in the draft. I mean, if you get a player like an Austin Matthews, who you're obviously, he's playing in the NHL next year. 100%. Um, you decide, can we make Kadri work? Stamkos, if he comes here, he's being he's going to be a center. So he's already your number one center. Austin Matthews, you you probably be on on that on the wing there. Um, th- this is where it gets tricky because you just don't know what the what the Leafs are going to plan to do at the trade deadline. If it's going to probably come down to do they keep Bozak, do they keep Kadri? It's going to be harder to trade Bozak, I think, just because of the contract. Teams may not be as sold on him as a second line center. This is a second line center. Bozak's contract is actually pretty reasonable. Yeah, but. 4.2 mil for the next three years. I mean, yeah, it's not bad, especially because Bozak's starting to find his scoring touch now. Yep. And he's still doing not, not as he's, he's pretty good defensively. He's not, he's, I think he's a little bit better than Kadri. That's why Bozak has looked a little bit better. I mean, obviously Kadri's playing against the top line. So that you could say that Kadri could be a little bit better if he was in a limited role, but that's where I think you, you, you could just say to Kadri, you know, well, you don't say to Kadri, but you just, Try to tell a team, we think he's a good player. You know, we're we're not going to expect the moon back for him. Like, we're not going <laughs> to expect like, you know, you could you could probably get a first round pick for him from the you right think so? team. Oh, I that Kadri. Um, you know what? You look at what teams have paid in the past for players. Like Antoine Vermeck was a got a Arizona second got round a, pick. Yeah, like <clears throat> the, you know, teams are willing to pay for centermen. Um, That's a good point. Especially and ones that they have control over with yeah. the RFA. Yeah, so that's that's where they have the the Leafs have the advantage there. They have you can trade Kadri because he's got control, and team would definitely resign him. And the same thing with Bozak. You know, he's already signed to a pretty reasonable cap hit if he can produce what he's producing now. Yep. So yeah, I, that's where I think you have to let Kadri walk because you you want to turn a new leaf. No pun intended, but yeah. you're 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 trying to get rid of. That's why, like this whole new management has been trying to get rid of any. I want to say bad stench from the Brian Burke era. 
You saw all those prospects getting traded. Those are all Brian Burke prospects. Yep. You know, Phil Kessel. That 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 was the identity of the team was Phil, the Phil Kessel trade and what that did to the franchise. For years it was. I kind of yeah. find that everything's been addition by subtraction yeah. with what they're doing. You know what? The, the Toronto Raptors are a perfect example of that. They yep. trade away Rudy Gay and Andrea Bargnani, and the team just – you just saw them emerge – so I think that's what they're trying to do. Like it's a little different in hockey. You can't, you know, when you trade good players, your team's not going to get like so much better like the Raptors did. But um, you're starting to see you're starting to see you know better play. You're starting to see better response from the players. They're responding better to the coach. I mean, Mike Babcock's not going to take crap from no one. No, nope, not even Uncle that. Lou. <laughs> no, when you pay that guy that much money, you're just. You're expect you're expecting a big change, and I think that's why they got rid of Kessel because Kessel, I don't think he would have responded to Babcock like the players are now, and I think that's why you're seeing some of the players stick around a little bit longer than you know. Many were saying, "Oh, Bozak's going to be gone," you know, Vanuf's going to be gone. No one really said Kadri was going to be gone, but there was some were thinking whether or not he was going to be able to work with Babcock. Um, it, that that's where I think you know Babcock is. We've already. I think we're starting to see what Kadri is as a player. And I think it's. I don't know if it's good enough to to consider him a good piece of the puzzle moving forward. And that's why I think you would want to trade him. Yeah, I don't know if he fits down the middle for them going forward as well. I mean, it would really depend on where they want to slot Nylander or Marner in the future. Yeah. If they truly see him as a center, Kadri's expendable. Yeah, because, you know, Mark Hunter said the other day, he was talking about the players going to the World Juniors. He said with Marner, he wants him to get stronger if he wants to be a centerman. I think his future is going to be on the wing. Me too. Um, I think Nylander's got a little bit more of that that frame to be a center. So, I mean, imagine a one-two punch of Samkos, Nylander, and then, I mean, I don't know if Bozak will stick around long enough, but maybe going into next year... If they get Stankos, you have Stankos, Nylander, Bozak, or you put Nylander on the third line just to, you know. Let him, I'd actually put him right up there right away. Yeah. Let him play some talented guys. Well, you know what, though? Before we dive into the prospects and talk mm-hmm. about them, this whole talk about Stankos and Stankos mania last week that swept Toronto what felt like literally just four days of nothing but Steven. I think we got to call it the Stamageddon. Like, Stamageddon? Uh, yeah, I was hearing that one a little bit, too. That was, yeah, that was McKenzie with that one. That was a good one there. What do you pay him? What do you pay him? Well, when uh, he's going to hit the market, yeah, he's going to hit the market. Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane did not hit the market. Like God knows what they would have gone pay if they got ten and a half from Chicago because they want to stay there and win. What would they have gone if they hit the market? I said they. I probably think they would have gone eleven, twelve, and I think that's where Stamkos is going to be. But the issue is, what team realistically? Other than Toronto, is going to pay that? Dude, he's not worth that, man. I just, I, I can't come to grasp with paying Stamkos that much money. I, I have a hard time paying a lot of athletes what they're getting paid right now. I mean, is David Price worth thirty-four to thirty-seven million dollars a year? No, he's no. Getting, he's playing one every five games. Uh, Stamkos. I mean, it's just where players. It's where we're going now with the cap getting a little bit bigger. You know, the cap's rising, so players are going to get paid more. I mean, you can't compare what Samkos got paid or what Samkos could get paid and then what, you know, Ovechkin, Malkin, because that was a little bit different. 
Different times. Different times. They took less money because they and they got longer term. They got more guarantee from Pittsburgh, like ten, twelve million dollars, ten, twelve, ten to twelve years. So, Stamkos. That's the one thing about the new CBAs. You can only pay a player in free agency a maximum of seven years. Yep. So the Which players. Is a good thing. It's a good thing because, oh, God, teams have made stupid decisions on contracts. Like, <laughs> Ilya Brzgalov, Roberto Luongo, like, those players were not worth... Well, Kovalchuk as well. Remember Kovalchuk, what he got? 10 years, $115 million, like, well, like... Who handed out that deal? Oh, that was our good old buddy Lou, but yeah. I, you know what? I He learned his lesson. You think so? I don't know, man. I think he would definitely go out and if Stamkos... He would pay him whatever he has to get him, I think, if MLS oh, gave him the okay. But you have to look at um, – you can pay Stamkos whatever you want to pay him because the Leafs can. But at the end of the day, Lou's going to realize you still have to put a team on the ice. You, know? yep. you still got to surround your young players with veteran players like they did this year. So <clears throat> I'm having a hard time believing that Stamkos is going to get an outrageous amount. But he's going to get – he's probably going to be – if not around where Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are getting per year, he's going to be at least above that. Just it's a scary thought. It's a scary thought, but uh, I think he needs Would you rather have Stamkos at that cap number, or would you rather have, let's say, two players and kind of try and build the LA Kings model where they... I guess they, they've kind of got lucky too, though, with the guys that have came up, yeah. and they've been able to maintain this good salary cap number, although they're always close to the ceiling. But would you rather have, I don't know, Leafs lunch, uh, Jonas Siegel was thrown around, though. Would you rather have Nugent Hopkins or Stamkos? And he was pretty adamant about going after Nugent Hopkins. Yeah. Well, he just looks at Nugent Hopkins as a he's – got a, he's got a lot of potential. Hasn't really proven it yet. You know, he's getting, I think, his cap hits like $6 million a year, which, again, you're paying a young player. He was, That was just something the young players were all getting paid. That's a pretty good uh, number. It's a pretty good number. But when you look at it, if you, you who what type of player do you want? Do you want a game breaker like Stamkos? Because Stamkos is a game breaker. The guy's scored sixty goals and he's put up you know forty goals, fifty goals. Like he can do it. Nugent Hopkins hasn't done that yet. So I mean, of course the we want the flashy player. We want the player that's going to produce. It's going to yeah. cost more. But when you look at free agency. Teams that pay those mid-level free agent guys usually don't they, they don't they don't usually pan out as well. I mean, we can look at the David Clarkson situation, where the Leafs thought David Clarkson put them over the top. A mid-level free agent is not putting your team over the top, so that's why I think Stamkos as like that top free agent guy can he can have such a big change on your team that even a couple of players can't have. He's just so good. Where he's just like. Even though it's that big cap hit, that one player, you're getting what you're paying. You're well, you're hoping you get what you pay for. But in that case, you're probably getting what you pay for in Steven Stamkos. Like he's going to be motivated to be at his best. Oh yeah, I had a buddy put it to me like this. He said he kind of used the Cavs analogy of when they acquired Kevin Love, and he said they instead of keeping Wiggins, they went out and they got what they knew was already an All Star. Yeah, and he said by getting Stamkos and just taking what you already know is an All Star. I'd rather have that as opposed to mm-hmm. the unknown of will this person develop? Will player X do yeah. this? And I, I thought that made a lot of sense in terms of okay, you're gonna have to pay Stamp. You're gonna have to overpay him because he's gonna yeah. take the Babcock effect where he's gonna lose for the first little bit of his career here in Toronto. 
But at the same time, you're getting a bona fide goal scorer mm-hmm. who still probably has about three to four years left in his prime. Yeah. So, and the one I, and the one thing that people are not realizing: Does Stamkos want to come to this situation in Toronto? Cause I he, think so. He's done that with Tampa already. Um, that was the only. That's the only concern I have is whether or not he's willing to be patient. Can leaves Can the management team convince Stamkos that this team is worth waiting for? I think he can't. I think obviously Leafs fans can see it, but is it obvious with a player like Stamkos who wants to win? Because it's not just about getting paid. Many players get paid. They want to. He's going to get too. paid regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not many of the contending teams are going to pay him, other than Tampa. Tampa will give him something. It, that's the biggest factor: is how much Tampa's offering. I can't see Tampa offering more than eight, eight, nine mil. Because oh, they got Hedman, they got yeah. Kucherov, they got Johnson, mm-hmm. they got Palat. There's so yeah. many guys they got to re up. And I think that's that's the, where the sale. That's why the contract hasn't gone on as much. Like Anze Kopitar, his contract could also have an effect on that too. Because it's going to set the market. He's it's going to set the market. Um, obviously, they're a little bit of a different player, but the situation is pretty much similar. You got LA, who's got many different players that they have to make sure they keep that core intact. And Tampa's going to want to do that same thing. So that's why everyone's saying uh, they don't see Stamkos want to take less. Just And Tampa's not exactly lighting the lamp either this year. So They're pretty injured too, though. They, they've had some injuries, but I don't know. When you when you saw them go up against Chicago in, the play, in that Stanley Cup, they were outmatched. Like yep. Stam, you have Stamkos, but the players around him weren't able to produce. I know there were some injuries, but you know, Tyler Johnson was injured. But they need more in, in Tampa. I think if they pay Stamkos, as you said, they're not going to be able to add around them. So I think that's why they're considering their options of maybe not resigning them and just maybe taking a step back, get as much talent as they can, and move forward without them. Which would suck for Stamkos because he's he said he wants to win there, but oh yeah, there's a cost of winning, which is maybe taking less. Well, there's economics of sports, unfortunately. Yeah. That's going to kind of really derail his dream of Tampa, I think, Mm because it's just not sustainable for that franchise to actually keep that entire core in place around one player that has a $10 million a year contract. Chicago's felt like many thought, oh, Chicago's going to take, as soon as they sign those contracts, Chicago's going to be really struggling. They haven't been as good this year, but can you not say this, that Chicago's going to be in the hunt for the cup? I think so. I mean, if you look at, Artemi Panarin, yeah, the way he's came up and developed. That was basically a free agent signing. That, that's where that's where like teams like Chicago are not worried about letting a player like Brandon Saad go. Yeah, I mean Patrick they got Teravainen coming too, and yeah. then they got Marco Dano, who they acquired in the Saad trade, that could mm-hmm. one day pan out to be a twenty-five goal scorer too. So I mean, yeah. I guess if the Leafs, relating it back to the Leafs, were to get Stamkos and overpay him. Mm-hmm. You're kind of banking on the development of Marner, Nylander, and this year's two draft picks in the yeah. first round, if they keep the second one, mm-hmm. to work out as cheap talent to build around Stamkos. I mean, they're not obviously they're cheap in terms of what they're getting paid cap wise, but you see what they're doing right now, and you can see like Nylander is going to be in the NHL next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, as an as a 19 year old to be doing what he's doing in the AHL, it's remarkable. It's, it's great. You know, I want to see him. I actually want to. See, I was kind of reserved on him calling him up. I want to see what he can do at the NHL level a little bit this year, so that I know next year he's going to be ready for the NHL. 
I think he'll get the last 10 games yeah. of the season. They'll call him up. I think they will, too. Um, I mean, that's going to be up to Lamarillo and Babcock, but I think they will give him a shot. Marner, it, it's a whole... It, I think him is going to take a little more time, but you see the skills there. You see, you know, many comparisons being made to, you know, what Pat, like a Patrick Kane, which is great to hear. Um I think that's a bit lofty. I think we all forget how amazing Patrick Kane oh, is. Patrick Kane is amazing. Marner, my issue with Marner is he doesn't shoot the puck. But we not can yet. talk not yet, but he'll get there. We'll, we can talk about oh. that. Um but you know, where the one position though I still think the Leafs need more depth and talent is on the blue line. So if you sign Stamkos to this contract, you also hinder any movement on your blue line too if like a player and i mean it's hard to say whether any free agents will come up in the future on the blue line but if there is that player that the leafs could potentially get when you sign stamkos you're you're kind of limiting what you can do with your cap with your salary cap moving forward too so that's a risk Definitely. obviously you're going to have to take too because yeah you can pay stamkos but you're going to also fall into the same problem as every other team which is to pay every other player that you want to pay that's something that the Leafs are going to have to look at as well. Well, let's talk about homegrown talent then for the mm-hmm. team. I mean, on the blue line, you got five prospects that are going to be playing in the World Juniors this year total that are prospects mm-hmm. for the Leafs. But on the blue line, you got Travis Dermott, who is kind of looking like he might be able to develop into something for the Leafs here. Yeah, they're, like I'm seeing a top four defenseman in him just because this year in Erie, he's taken such a big step in playing more minutes. He's playing close. Some nights he's playing close to 30 minutes. Yeah. Which he's in looking the, real good on the power play as well. Yeah. You know, he's, he got the top, uh, honors in the OHL for November for defensemen, which is good. Like, Oh, playing defense in the OHL is difficult. Like you see how good the forwards are there to play defense and produce offense as well is good to see. So I'm seeing good things with him, you know, moving forward, uh, as a top four defenseman, you know, the Leafs do have a couple of other defensive prospects. You know, you have uh, Valiev with the Marlies. You know, it's going to take time for him to develop. You know, you got Andrew Nielsen, who's playing in the WHL, who's been... Pretty oh, good this year. Yeah, I know. He's producing more offensively, which is what the team wants to see. They didn't want to see just a one-dimensional game from him. He's gone a little more two-dimensional, which is good. You know, got, got De Rocher in the uh, in the OHL, who's been pretty good. Um, what do you think about Scott Harrington? Scott Harrington, um, you know what? Uh, he's been a good player. You know, he he had a couple good games uh, this year. I like the decision to put him in the AHL because you can't be taking young defensemen in and out like they have this season, you know, with having eight defensemen on, which you just yeah. can't have with young defensemen just sitting. You know, many were wondering when Frankie Corrado was going to get a shot. You know, he's a 22-year-old. You don't want to keep a 22-year-old in a press box for two months. Well, he's was... interesting, though, Corrado, because Babcock never wanted him. And Lamarillo said, yeah, we want him. And this is kind yeah. of Babcock's FU to Lamarillo saying, hey, I told you I didn't want him. Well, because, you know, if you're going to bring in a player like Corrado, I mean, obviously, when you get a young defenseman like that on wait on the waivers, you got to go for him. That's what yep. Lamarillo did. But Babcock wants players to experience a training camp. Corrado didn't with the Leafs. He did with Vancouver. So that's why the two months was like a training camp for him. I didn't I didn't mind what I was <laughs> sorry, what I saw from the first, you know, couple games he played. Yeah, he's all right. Uh, yeah, it's too bad he he's not able to go to the to the AHL. 
you're not going to put him on waivers to put in the HL because someone will take him. He'll get picked up, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you just got to be patient with him. Um, You know, Scott Harrington, I don't know if he's going to be a top four defenseman. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. Um, You know, you could see that maybe moving forward as he gets more experience, but... I, I do like what they did with that Kessel chain was they got players who are going to contribute in some role. They're going to have a defined role, and they're just going to be good at that role. And I think Scott Harrington could be a, easily a third pairing. He could be a third pairing right now. It's just they don't have the room for him. I think he could be like a Matt Hunwick, where yeah. he's not bad, but he's not great. He's just, yeah. like you said, a good third pairing. Yeah, and that's... And that's the nature of the beast. Like you have, you know, these young players have to realize that you shouldn't. If you're, you, if you put too much on yourself to perform, you're gonna, it's, you're gonna be disappointed. Uh, you know, Morgan Riley, an exceptional talent. That's why he's a top line player. I think that's where you, as the Leafs, you gotta tell Scott Harrington that you're not exactly on the Riley level. Just you have to give him that honesty. But we see your potential as a contributor in this role, and I th- we think you'd be great at that role. And that's where you have to kind of uh, convince the you know a younger player that <laughs> sometimes it's okay not to be the top contributor every night. Just yep. play your role, be good at it. And I think that's where Babcock, and that's where we're seeing the Babcock effect. Players are playing their role, and they're playing it really well, and they're playing together as a group, and they're making contributions to the team, not just to themselves. Well, you got five of these prospects that are about mm-hmm. to take the biggest stage of them all at the junior level, which is yeah. the World Juniors. What you, is there anybody you're in particular excited to see? I mean, Nylander and Marner are obviously going to be two guys that we all keep a keen eye on. But yeah. anybody else you're excited to see between oh, Kapanen and Mitro? There is definitely. Like, you know, Kapanen, he got off to a slow start in the AHL, but he's he picked up his game after he got, coming back from injury. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing Dmitry Timoshov, actually. Yeah, that's who I really want to watch as well. Um, you know what, uh, Hunt, when Mark Hunter says he's going to be a sleeper at the tournament, like Mark Hunter does not BS you. He knows his stuff. You know, he's watched so many games. He's scouted so many of these players. Uh, Timoshov has done really well in the queue this year. 53 points? Yeah, like that's unheard of. Like from a, a rookie, you know, he's he's in his second season. He's uh, He could be getting traded, actually, from what I'm hearing. Uh, yeah, he's going to waive his no-trade clause and be on his way. Yeah, but... Um, you know, I don't know where he's going to play with Team Sweden. I actually, was, I didn't even know he was going to play with Sweden until I looked at his because uh, I you know he's Ukrainian, but he yeah. also can play for Sweden, eligible, which is good to see. Sweden is going to Team Canada has to watch for Team Sweden this year. They're they're not a team that you can just sit back and take lightly. Obviously, you can't with a player like Nylander there. Um, but I'm looking forward to see what he can do in. And you know, hopefully he's given the chance to shine. We already know that Nylander is going to be their front-run player. They're going to put him in a lot of situations. I want to see Nylander not just produce offensively, but I want to see how he can play at both ends of the ice. That's been his big thing this year with the Marlies, is how is he playing at both ends of the ice. I think we're starting to see that he's getting... He, he, you know, he's hungry for the puck. He's trying to get the the puck back when he doesn't have it. You know, he's not going to be the guy to lay the you know big hits, but he'll be smart. They want him to be a smart player when he doesn't have the puck. So I think we're starting to see that development. I want to see him do that at the World Juniors. I want to see Marner be the best player on Team Canada. Same. It's going it's to be hard because he's. I don't know if he, what Team Canada will spread the lines out. 
you know, evenly. So well, he's like, with Stroman Kraus right now, so yeah. he'll definitely have a chance to put up some good numbers. Oh, he will. Um, so I want Marner to show that he's the best player on Team Canada. And then Dermott, you know, he was he, there was a chance he wasn't going to make the team, which was surprising when uh, when I heard that. But he can show he for him this tournament's going to be to prove the pe- you know those people that he was the right choice for the team. And that he can handle different situations, not just offensively. We know he's good on the power play. Can he be good in other areas? He's a very mobile player, so I want to see him control the play at both ends. Uh, so I, if, if I had to choose two players, I w- it would probably be Dermot and Timoshoff because not many people are giving those players the, the spotlight, and I want them to take the spotlight. I'd love to see Dermot take some spotlight too, but they are carrying seven defensemen, so I don't know yeah. how much playing time he's really going to get. But I'm kind of enamored with Timoshov. I I love watching him play in the queue. Mm-hmm. He's just he's dynamic. He gets on anything he touches on the wing. He's so fast, and a lot of people are knocking his size. I mean, he's five ten, one hundred ninety pounds. He's not as small as people would think no. he is. He just kind of plays like a, a smaller guy. Yeah. But I think he really has a chance to burst onto the scene per se this this tournament here, and especially if he gets to play with Nylander. And let's not forget that this is in Europe, so the, I, they're playing on a bigger ice surface. They're going to get a lot more room to move, you know, to move the puck around. So this tournament actually benefits the Leafs players who have are a little more skilled. You know, they're going to have more room to create plays, especially Marner. Marner's a great, you know, he has great vision on the ice. So you're going to see him set up some nice goals. I would like to see him score some nice goals like he has this year in the OHL. I hope the Team Canada coaches urge him to take more chances offensively to shoot the puck. Yeah, because yeah, that, you know, he did last, uh, when I was watching play the scrimmage, you know, in the scrimmage games, he, you know, he has a chance to cut in front of the net, but he passes it. But as they say, he's always looking for the better play. Sometimes you don't feel like you have the best play to shoot. So, but I want to see Marner take more chances himself. Uh, I, it's going to be a good tournament to watch. A lot of, you know, the Americans are an intriguing team because they have a lot of skilled oh, forwards. Names. You know, Austin Matthews, you know, Leaf fans are going to keep their eye on him. Matt I, Kachuk, too. He's going to be somebody to watch. He's definitely someone I want to watch because there's no – people have to realize there's no guarantees for the first pick. Buffalo Sabres fans found that out the wrong way. Obviously, they got Jack Eichel, which is easing the pain a little bit of not getting Connor McDavid. Yep. But you got to keep your eye on the first five players, and they're all – Going to be uh, well, except for Chichurin, who's not going to be playing. Unfortunately, I would have liked to see him in the tournament. So, but he's a little bit younger; he'll get his chance. But the Leafs fans should keep their eye on uh, definitely on Austin Matthews to Chuck, and then you got the uh, couple of Finnish prospects there who are going to be at the top of the draft as well. So, well, you got Alex Nylander up there too, who would be somebody to keep an eye on. I, I wonder if. To see him and his brother play together, I wonder if Leaf fans are going to get a little uh, excited. Maybe the Leafs should <laughs> should try to bring uh, bring together the Sedins 2.0 to uh, Toronto. Which could you imagine that would that would be pretty sweet if it actually worked out? <clears throat> yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would be. <clears throat> All depends on where the Leafs uh, get draft this year. Well, which... I think they're going to get a top three pick. Yeah, I think I do think that's definitely a possibility. But you look at some of the teams below Carolina. I definitely think the Leafs are better than Carolina. Yep. Columbus, I, I don't know if they're going to get any better. They've been getting a little bit better under Tortorella, but it's not hasn't been enough. Well, they might bottom out too. They may just say, <clears throat> I, I think I think because they need a defenseman really bad on that team. Mm-hmm. You know, taking that step back and getting another defenseman would 
really help that team because they they really wanted to draft up to get Noah Hannafin, yeah. but they couldn't. They couldn't get a deal together, so they had to settle for the American prospect. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but they had to get that player at ninth overall. So I mean, I do see at, like what we're the least the least are twenty seventh right now, so they're in a top five spot. I think that's where they're gonna stay. Anaheim could get better, and that's where I see that maybe they leapfrog the Leafs. But I don't see the Leafs being at the bottom of the standings with the way Carolina and uh, Columbus are this year. So, Leafs... well, even anywhere in the bottom three, that's enough ping pong balls yeah. to kind of hope for the best. Definitely enough. As Edmonton Oilers fans just found out, you don't need to be the worst; you just need to be in the mix. How ridiculous is that? The amount of first round picks they've had that are in the upper echelon of the draft—it's insane. The Edmonton Oilers problem has not been the number first round overall picks they've had. It's the picks after that. Yep. And that's where you separate a team like, uh, you know, everyone says you take the L.A. method, the Chicago method, the, well, Pittsburgh, not so much as much as L.A. and uh, Chicago. Those teams did really well at picking outside of the first round and developing their players outside of the first round. Something that Edmonton, I think, is going to do now, you know, with, Peter Shirelli knows a little bit more, especially with his time with the Bruins, how not just having the first overall pick matters, but All other picks matter. as well. Yeah, so I actually think Edmonton would be more inclined to trade some of their picks in the future because mm-hmm. how much younger can this core get? They have <laughs> in the NHL, and this core is pretty much locked up for the next five years, so why not just try and add pieces to it? Yeah, you know, many... I thought the year that they got the Yakupov pick, that should have been the year they traded because really that draft class, I mean, you know, I think Morgan Raleigh would have been a better pick than uh, Yakupov. Many were saying, well, Ryan Murray should have been picked. I mean, he's he had some injury issues. That's why I think teams were not set on him being for a first overall pick. I think that should have been the pick where if you're not set <clears throat> on, on the guy at number one, trade down. Let another yeah. team give you more so you can be comfortable with the player you get. You don't have to always get the shiny guy. Get the guy who's going to be more valuable and moving forward. I don't. Yakupov doesn't really have that first overall uh, fever to me. Like so, that's he's a flashy where guy. I mean, I think he's yeah. the top six four, but not somebody you would build around like you're kind of no. Your first overall pick is your franchise player. Oh, that's a franchise yeah. player. You can't have like eight fran like in the Oilers case you can't have like six to eight franchise players. It just doesn't work like that. So, yeah, I do think you know some trades should be coming for the Oilers. Like I think McDavid, Drysaitel, uh, Hall, Everly, those are a good four forward group to keep around. But they just don't have that on the back end. So I think that's where maybe trading a Nugent Hopkins for a night, you know, good defenseman. Is Darnell Nurse is going to be good? Yep. But they need more than him. Like they they need more than Darnell Nurse and they that, need him and Clefbaum to really develop into the top two pairing and then hopefully Sakara can mm-hmm. be a solid guy and they find one more. Yeah, because Justin Schultz isn't that guy and just they oh, I bet they want to get out of that one right now. Yeah. Well luckily they only signed him to a pretty cap friendly deal, but I don't see him returning, so No, he just looks he's looked horrendous from the oldest games I watched this year. I think Leaf fans should kind of. I know many Leaf fans are saying, you know, tank at the worst, as bad as you can. Leafs are not going to do that. I think this year they're, you know, you're obviously they're going to be in the bottom, but. Well, I don't think Babcock's capable of no. doing that, to be quite honest. No, I don't think next. I don't see that happening next year. And I don't. 
I don't mind that if it if the Leafs don't get a top five pick again next year because you know what, teams know how to get the mid round picks. Like look at Detroit, they got Dylan Larkin in a mid as a mid round pick, and the guy's most likely going to be a superstar. Well, then they got Mantha still to come up too. Yeah, Mantha's going to take a little more time, but um, no, like you don't have. Like Babcock is a prime example. He could tell Leafs fans, you don't need the worst pick to be a good team. He's seen it with Detroit. Detroit, and that I think that are trying to form follow the Detroit model. Mark Hunter knows which players to get in the mid round. He'll definitely know which players fit as mid round picks and which ones can develop into those good picks. Maximizing on your picks is what the Leafs will need to do because I don't see the Leafs being a bottom team next year. Especially if they sign Stamkos. Yeah, I think they'll be fighting for one of the last few playoff spots. The one thing I do really like about Mark Hunter and Babcock and this new regime of what they're doing with these young players is they're not bringing them in and saying, hey, you adjust to us. Mm-hmm. They're more saying, we brought you here because we feel that you're the kind of player that fits this mold, so play your game. And yeah. I find too many teams are trying to get players to change the way they play into the system as opposed to Babcock and Hunter and this whole regime believing in what they're doing and mm-hmm. saying, we're bringing you here because of the way you play, so play that way. I, I like what Lou Lamarillo said when they always ask him, when is it the right time to bring up a prospect? When is it the right time to bring this guy up? And you know, Lamarillo always says, we let the players tell us. And it's exactly what it should be. Um, you know, Many were saying Dylan Larkin may not have made the NHL this year if Babcock was there. I think he would have. He, would, he was playing so well that Babcock, if he was with Detroit, would been a, he 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 can recognize when it's a good player when a good player is ready for the NHL. He was I guarantee he really wanted Nylander there, but there was just it was just not enough from him to say he's for sure ready, which is why he was sent back down. So I, I like the it, definitely as you said the new regime wants the players to tell them when they're ready. They're not going to force anything. It's not worked in the past. Teams teams shouldn't do that. LA Kings definitely don't do that. Chicago Blackhawks definitely don't do that. Yep. So the Toronto Maple Leafs should not be doing that. And I, I totally agree with you that I think that's the way it's going to stay going forward as well. Mm-hmm. So here, I'll leave you with this then. Who puts up the most points out of all the Leafs prospects in the World Juniors? Um, that, I think it's going to be William Nylander. I think so too. Yeah, you know he was he was at the top last year in the tournament in Toronto, which was good to see. So I I, I definitely see him being that being at the top. He could actually be the I think I'm gonna go with the both same. He's gonna lead the tournament in scoring. I think it's gonna be between him and off could be between him and Austin Matthews. But I think because Team Sweden is a little bit better, Nylander's gonna play a bit. You know they're gonna go further in the tournament. So I I'm gonna say Nylander's gonna lead the tournament in scoring. Yeah, I mean, I have no argument against that. I think him and Matthews are going to be neck and neck the whole way through it. And whoever plays in the gold medal game, probably going to face each other, those two teams. Unless Canada has something to say about that, I think that they're going to finish 1-2. Yeah, I, I definitely I think it's going to be, well, depending on how the groupings work, it's going to be either Canada or Sweden, the U.S. and Russia. Those are going to be my top four in the tournament, for sure. So out of these three players then, Kapanen, Nieland, or sorry, Kapanen, Dermott and uh, Timishov, who puts up more points out of the three? Um, I think it's going to be Timishov, just because he's really he's play- he he because the the thing with Kapanen is you know last year he didn't play so well at the tournament. Yep. He's he's been slowly building. Um, I I don't know. I mean Finland's 
got a you know a good team, but it's not a great team. They're not expected to go far in the tournament. I think because Sweden is a little bit deeper. I think I don't know who Timoshov will be playing with. I mean, if he's playing with with uh, either Alex or William Nylander, oh, he's gonna rake. Like they're gonna they're gonna put up points. So I think it's definitely gonna be Timoshov that gets uh, that's gonna be one of the top in that group too. Well, I'm happy to hear that there's another person that's excited to watch Timoshov because this guy's electric. Watching him skate up in yeah. the US. Oh yeah, and it, I mean. There's a little bit when it comes to the QMJHL, I'm a little skeptic with how many points they put up just because, you know, it doesn't always translate to being great players in NHL. I mean, Jonathan Juan's still taking his time to develop. Yeah, no kidding. But I mean, you see how he how he's playing on the ice, how he, how much skill he has. You can't argue the guy has skill, which is where I think that helps him a bit too. It's definitely a different game in the Q. There's no denying that. It's a little more offensively inclined and. I don't want to say guys are freewheeling more, but there's a lot more space to work in the offensive zone as opposed to the OHL or even the CHL with the or sorry the mm-hmm. WHL where players are a little more. Uh, I don't want to say they play more trap, but they're just. They, I just find they take better angles of the puck, especially the defensive pairings. Yeah, the, the coaching's a bit better in in these WHL and the, in the OHL teams are more structured and def- they're they're a little bit big. defensemen are a little bit bigger too, especially in the WHL. Like some of those defensemen awesome, big look- dudes. They look like NHL rated defensemen, half of them. So that also that also figures into that as well. Yeah, be, it's going to be a very fun tournament to watch, though overall. And I, I'm very excited to see Nylander play mm-hmm. and even Burner a little bit. But Dave, um, I'd like to thank you for coming on the TOT Cast this week. Before you go, where can fans reach you at? Where can they find your stuff? Follow you on Twitter, all that. Well, they can find myself on uh, Tip of the Tower. They can uh, follow me on Twitter at d underscore Morissuti, M R E S S U T T I, two S's, two T's. Uh, and thank you for having me on, guys. This is great. Hey, I look forward to doing this again with you, man. Hopefully, we can make this a weekly thing and talk Leafs. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of the TOT Cast. I'd like to thank David for joining me today to talk about our beloved Toronto Maple Leafs. As always, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tiplet Tower and also like our Facebook page at Tiplet Tower. If you'd like to reach out to me personally, you can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Kranitz. And of course, be sure to check out tiplettower.com to stay up to date with everything Toronto sports. Thank you for listening and have a happy holidays. How to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.